Hallelujah. Thank you, Don. Thank God for the Word of God. I love it. How many of you know I love it? Yeah, Psalms 119. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wherewithal shall a young man, what? Cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Thy word is a what? Lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I'm not ashamed of that gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all that believe. How many of you know it's supernatural, every bit of it? You know, I I really thank God that uh, I didn't have a religious background because when I got saved, I fell in love with the Word of God and it's got me into a lot of good things (laughs) and delivered me from a lot of good things. So I thank God for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. We ask, Lord, that you bless the Gideon International. We thank you for your Word and we ask, Lord, that you meet all their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and we thank you that your word will go forth. Lord, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word never will pass away, and we thank you for it. We love it, and Lord, I ask you to help us to live by it and to love your word and to hear your word. And we just pray, God, right now, that you'd open our hearts, that we might hear and receive your word for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, last week I was, or yeah, it was last week, I was going to read, uh, start on a serious thing, kind of, little, on the passion of purpose. And the Lord gave me something. He says, purpose, he says, your passion comes from your purpose. Person, purpose comes from a redemptive revelation. You know, uh, Proverbs 19, where there's no amplified, says redemptive revelation. And, every, and we know that it's the redemptive revelation that brings us purpose. And it says that purpose comes from a redemptive revelation. A redemptive revelation comes from the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, Ephesians 1, 18, 19. To know something. To know what? Enlightenment comes from the truth you know that sets you free. And what is freedom? A few weeks ago, you remember the Lord spoke to me about something. He says freedom is not only out of something, but it's into something. And see, I think for so long we've concentrated on freedom out of and we hadn't realized that God's plan and purpose for us was a little bigger than just out of. It was into. Now I'm going to read a little out of this Under Full Stature by Deferne Fromke and The Ultimate Intention by the same guy. And uh, as I was reading this, I realized something. And let me read it. It says, One day a friend who is an expert in developing unique camera shots handed me a picture which showed only a small tree. He asked, How tall do you suppose the tree is? Somehow he had blocked out the background, and since there was nothing with which to relate the tree or compare it with, I could only make a wild guess. To my untrained eye, the tree looked as small as a seedling, perhaps four or five feet tall. Now you will see the absolute importance of background here in the whole picture. He handed me another snapshot. With all the background in view, I was amazed. Suddenly that little tree had grown up. With a full landscape and wood and houses, it came apparent that the seedling was at least 40 feet tall. I could hardly believe the background could make such a difference. Now hear this. Then I realized this is exactly what the Lord has been trying to show me for months. Without the background of the Father's eternal purpose, 
How could I know the true meaning of any part without knowing the Father's background? See, and so I want to talk to you about God's eternal purpose. And you know, one of the things I want you to hear, the Father's heart. How many of you know God's a little bigger than our ideas of God? You know, he's got, I want to to read something to you. And at first it may make you mad, but stick with me. Says in the beginning, let's provoke your thinking with a question: Did Jesus Christ come to visit the earth because because Adam and Eve and all his seed had sinned, or was it the original plan of the eternal Father that His Son should visit the earth, become incarnate, and thereby make possible a vital union with man? In other words, was it according to the Father's eternal purpose for His Son to visit the earth, even if Adam had never sinned? See, most of our focus has been on a redemptive revelation of what Adam did. But you know, Watchman Nee said that the cross was a remedial necessity to get back to the Father's purpose. See, and most of the time we just concentrate, which it is the most important thing to get redeemed back, but you can get redeemed out of and not know what for. See, it's it's more here than just knowing, uh, just getting out of it. God's got a plan and a purpose for every one of you. And the thing is, if you don't understand that eternal background of what God's for you, then you can find your plan and your purpose, and you can fulfill it to some degree, but you don't see the big picture of what it's all about. And I'm telling you, the big picture is a big picture. God's got a plan and a purpose. And so I want to talk to that, about that today. I'll, I'll save this one to later. But I want you to look with me in Ephesians. Now, see, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus He didn't start out with man's fall. He didn't start out talking about man's fall from from what God intended and God's purpose to come to redeem man. He brings it out, but I want you to look where Paul starts. How many of you know Paul had a few years in the wilderness to understand God's eternal purpose? Now, he was a very religious man, and I think that's why he had to spend 13 years there to get some of that religion out so God could show him the real truth about what's going on. And so we see that he starts out here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He hath blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, if you don't have this verse circled, you ought to. According, as God hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before him in love. Let me read that again. God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. When were we chosen? Before anything was created. God chose chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy Holy and blameless without him, before him without love. I mean, with love. Before him, holy, blameless, before him in love. Now, having predestined us, and all that big word means, don't get caught up on it, it's predetermined us as adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Who made us accepted in the Beloved? He did. He did. 
We talked about that in the coffee shop today. That's one of the best verses in your whole New Testament. Because when man fell, he fell, spirit, soul, and body. And ever since the fall, man's been trying to get God's acceptance and man's acceptance because there's a root of rejection that come in the old soul, fear of rejection, fear of failure, and they're looking for acceptance in every place you can find it. But here, God, in Christ Jesus, before the foundation of the world, has chosen us in him that we should be before him holy and without blame before him. And he didn't stop there. In Christ Jesus, he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now that takes care of that fall, doesn't it? Now that word he, uh, uh, right here, accepted, was used twice in the scriptures. And the other time when the angel came to Jesus, came to Mary and said, Mary, you are highly favored. What's that word? Highly favored. That's this word. It's the only other time it's used. God has made you and I highly favored in the beloved before the foundation of the world. So why do we want to live in an attitude of rejection? We get a new spirit. We get born again. Then we live the rest of our Christian lives a lot of time looking for acceptance in people and in God, trying to earn it. But I'm telling you something. God's purpose was bigger than that. And for too long, I, I want to read you something. See, thank God for getting born again. Thank God that we're born again. But we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to find out who we are. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and what? Have it abundantly. When? Right now. I think this is page 22. <clears throat> I want you to listen to this. Now, God may stretch you a little today, but just be stretched is all I've got to say. If you'll open almost any present-day religious book or periodical, you will discover the degree to which modern Christendom has centered in on man. Furthermore, God's primary purpose is to set forth as, as redemptive. The overshadowing theme of religious writers is man's fall. His various needs, God's provision for meeting those needs. In this way, God is always related to man's benefit, man's blessings, man's future. Man has become the central issue. But is this God's intention? This evidence of a man-centered approach and message indicates the desperate cancer which is eating the heart of Christendom. It is the result of a warped concept developed by blinded man who ever since the fall has made the center around himself. Now you can be born again, spirit-filled, and speak in tongues and still be filled with it's all about me. Because you're living out of an old soul that has not understand that Jesus came to save us, spirit, soul, and body, to make us accepted, where we're not always looking for acceptance. You know, Bill Johnson said what? Most Christians spend a lifetime trying to become who they already are. See, he made us who we are in the beloved, spirit, soul, and body. It's been taken care of. But for what purpose? For his purpose. That we might glorify him. You're in our epistle, known and read of all men. Remember the saying it was, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Why? Because our light should reflect. We are light. We are salt. Where did we get that? From him. He made us who we are so we could what? Live as redeemed sons of God. You know, Hebrews it says, he was the firstborn of many, of many more glorified sons to make the captain of their suffering perfect that he might have many sons to glory. Bring many sons to glory. What is the purpose? So we can glorify him while we're here. Amen. So we see the big picture is, you know, I, I was reading a, a, another little thing. And he's talking about you're on the road. Say we're on a, on a trip to, to uh, Lubbock. 
And on the way, I get lost, and I go down by Muleshoe. And then, and then all of a sudden at Muleshoe, uh, I realize I'm on the wrong road. So from Muleshoe, I go back to Plainview, and then when I get back to Plainview, I find the right road. And I spend the rest of my life at Plainview telling everybody about how you get back from where you were to the road. I spend the rest of my life telling how wonderful and beautiful that road was that I fell for, uh, went from to get back to the highway that I was on. And forgetting there's another road going somewhere. It's not just from something. It's to something. To bring many sons to glory. See, that was the Father's heart. In the first place. So we see that's part of it. You know, what did God say in Isaiah 43? You remember, let me, let's look with Isaiah 43 for just a second. You know, all this thing wasn't an accident with him. You know, he loaned. He made Adam and Eve to fellowship in the garden, right? Wasn't that his purpose? So God of creation made the heaven and earth, and he put man there so he could fellowship with man. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read the last chapter in Revelation. It says there's a new heaven and a new earth. And he says, and God himself is going to come down and reign with us. That's his eternal purpose. His purpose is to fellowship with us. Our goal is not just to get to heaven. I got news for you. Heaven's not our goal. That's That's just a, a temporary place before we come back for a thousand years and then after that he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness and that's when we're going to dwell with him and and he with us forever and he's going to live with man that's god's heart to fellowship now in first corinthians it says god first chapter god is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son what was we called for fellowship that word's koinonia that means a relationship most of us that get born again, we get a spirit born again, and we long for that relationship we know is there, and well, just a few more weary days, and someday we'll have it. I mean, he said, I've come that you might have life now and have it abundantly. He, what did he say? I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not just going to leave you here. I'm going to go away, but when I come back, the Father, the Holy Ghost, and me are going to come back and live and dwell in each one of you. And by the way, I'm going to bring the peace that passes all understanding while I'm here. Now, you're not going to have no peace as long as you're looking for something. But once you find it, there's no more looking for it. Because it's the peace that passes all understanding that will keep your heart and minds through Christ. Now, in 3 John, he says, Those things which we've seen, 1 John, Those things which we have seen and heard, declare unto to you that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So what was the goal? Fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with the Son. Now, redemption is necessary to get us back on the road God had for us in the beginning. Okay? But let's grow up. Let's see, we're here for a purpose. But when you're always thinking about a a redemptive mentality, instead of seeing we we have been redeemed, and, 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 you know, when you start seeing it, let's, let's look here. Let me go back to Ephesians here again. Oh, I didn't read Isaiah 43, did I? All right, look in Isaiah 43, 18. It says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a what? New thing. Now it will spring forth speedy. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons, the owls, because I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. 
and give drink to my people, my chosen. My what? Chosen. This people have I formed for myself, and they will show forth my praise. Who formed them? He did. For what purpose? To show forth his praise. He says what? Don't remember the former things of the fall. I do a new thing. And you know what that refers to? If you've got a little side note there, it'll take you to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, do we understand what that means? Let's go back to verse 14. Because it says, The Holy Ghost, the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost, because we thus judge that if one man died for all, then all died. When he died, you died. Do you get it? And if he died for all, then they that died should no longer live for themselves. It all, it's not all about us. You should no longer live for yourself, but in him, to him who died and rose again. And when he rose, who rose? We did. What does that mean? That means henceforth we know no man after the flesh. Though we've known Christ after the flesh, no more. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, forgiving us our trespasses, and giving us a ministry of reconciliation. Now, who can tell me in the, in the Greek what the word reconciliation means? Nobody. After all these years, no. That word reconciliation, what? Is exchange. He's given us the ministry of what? What do we have the ministry of? What is that saying? The old things are passed away and what? All things have become new. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Don't remember the former things about the fall. It's time to quit thinking about sin all the time and start thinking about righteousness. Walk in the Spirit and you will what? Not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He didn't say if you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, someday you might walk in righteousness. But God gave to us the gift of righteousness in his son. Everything we could ever possibly have need of is in his son. Now, I want to tell you something. Did you know that God placed us in Christ? God placed us here. Now, this little thing inside of here, everywhere this Bible goes, this thing's going with it. Because it's what? It's in there. God placed us there. We didn't place ourselves there. Why? His purpose and plan. He put us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. According, Ephesians 1, 6, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And then in whom, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Finally, the apostle brings us to see the goal to which God the Father is working that in the dispensation, the fullness of time, when it's all over, over, he may gather together in one all things that are in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are upon earth, even in him. What is the Father's purpose? Someday when all this thing is settled, to gather all that's in heaven, all that's in earth, all the nations of this world, will, they'll become the kingdoms of our Christ and of his God. Everything that was in him, that purpose to be in him, is going to come together in him in the fullness of time. And he shall reign forever for and ever. It's all already in him. We, we can't do anything different than that. According to his, his eternal purpose, which he purposed in him, 
Ephesians, let me show you this. Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, God, what is, what's going on here? See, God's purpose for the church in Ephesians 3, Paul says, For this uh, cause I, the prisoner, verse 1, of Lord Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God given to me, how that by revelation he made known unto me this mystery, as I wrote in a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery. In other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, and is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now look where he's going. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body. What? What? Same body. Partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That the Gentiles and the Jews should be one body. Now you listen to some people today. the, The Jews are doing their thing and the Gentiles is over here. But you know, what was God's ultimate intention? That the Gentiles and the Jews come together into one body. And you know what that body's called? The body of Christ. And members one of another. Where there's no Baptist, no Methodist, no charismatic, you're all one in his body. That's God's ultimate purpose. Right? To make us one in his son. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. But as we see that, and then it says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ's in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace God had given me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who are least of all the saints, is this grace given? Now, why is he saying that? Unto the least? Why did Paul say that? He says, you know, God chose me. You know why God chose me? Because I killed Christians. I'm not even worthy to be an apostle, he said. But you know why God did that, Paul said? Because he could show you how long-suffering and forgiving God is. I'm not even worthy, he says, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What does unsearchable mean? I guarantee you we'll spend a lifetime trying to figure out all that's already been freely given to us. We're not just called out of something. We're called into something. And all that something is the fullness of the riches that's in Christ Jesus. It's unspeakable. I'm tell- and you know what? When it's all said and done and there's a new heaven and a new earth and, and we're all there with him, we're living with the creator. You think he's going to stop there? No. I don't think so. Because his nature is to what? Create. Create. And what are we going to be doing with him? Create. It's going to be fun. <laughs> for eternity. But see now, look what he says. Unto me, he says, that I should preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to make all men see. What is it? What are we going to make all men see? The fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things but Jesus Christ. He's going to show you the fellowship of the mystery, which was hidden before the foundation of the world in Christ. You're going to see God's plan and purpose. It wasn't just to get you redeemed. It was to get you redeemed for something, to something, to be something. Sons and daughters of Father. Because you are sons. But he says, to make all men see what was hid in God, to the intent now that in principalities and powers. How many of you know there's a few principalities and powers in heavenly places around here? 
And what did he say? To the intent that now, when those principalities and powers look upon the church, are you with me? Might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. That the principalities and powers, when they see the church today, they're going to see God's wisdom and his manifested goal and his purpose and his power. I want to tell you, they're not seeing a whole lot right now. Because what was the purpose? To make all one body. The fullness of Christ. What was the purpose of the fivefold ministry in Ephesians? Fivefold. To equip the saints to do the work of ministry, of service. That we be a complete, full-grown man in Christ Jesus. Not being tossed to and fro with all the different doctrines and all that. But we may be made perfect in one. And Jesus said, by this, the glory the Father gave me, I'm going to give you that you may be one, that the world may see my glory. So what is his purpose? That we all be one, and we are the body of Christ. And God has set the members in the body as it has pleased him. He's in charge, we're not. So he has a plan and a purpose for us that the principalities and the angels and everybody else sit back watching for it to be accomplished. Now, what, what is this? What are you saying? Verse 11, according to his what? Eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where did he purpose that? From the foundation of the world. I'm telling you something. God's bigger than just getting us back from our sins. It ain't just about us and getting our sins forgiven so we can go to heaven when we die. God's plan and purpose was bigger than that. That cross became necessary because we failed. Right? But it's supposed to bring us to something, not just from something. The picture is bigger than what we've made it. And it was in his heart. What did Paul tell Timothy? Timothy, if God saved you, he called you. And if he called you, it was for a purpose. And not what you purpose for yourself, but Ross, what he purposed for you before the foundation of the world. That's what he told Timothy. If he saved you, he called you for a purpose. For what? Purpose. It's a big purpose. And it's not what you think, but it's what he purposed for you before the foundation of the world. So don't you see, it's nice to have a backdrop of what God's doing so when you find your purpose down here, you realize it's more than just about you. See? You with me? It's his eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ before the foundation of the world. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. It says, whereof I desire that you faint not at my tribulation for you. But for this cause, I bow my knee unto the Father. To the what? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, who would like to give a shot of that? God is the eternal Father. And I want to tell you something. God the Father was a father before he was a creator. And he's the one where we get the all fatherhood comes from. So the father had a, a plan and purpose as a father with kids long before the world began. So he could fellowship with his kids. That he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory, the strength and the might by the spirit in the inner man, 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints is what the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of God which passes all knowledge, that you might be filled with some of the fullness of God. How much? And that you might do what? You might know what? The breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. You think we know the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height? Not hardly. But it's his desire that we know what he's doing. And we're part of the big picture of what he's doing. Amen? Amen. So you see, I think so much we get blinded by the fact that we're always trying to get back to some place and we don't know where the place is. We're just glad to be out of where we were. But see, it's, it's to something, not just from something. What was the goal of the children of Israel when he took them out of Egypt? What does the scripture say? He brought them out, right? That he might bring them in. He brought them out to what? Bring them in. So it's obvious he brought us out to bring us in. And according to the scripture, what is the end? It's the body of Christ. Thank God it's, it's for us as an individual. But how many of you know his plan was a little bigger than the individual? That he placed all of us in the body as it pleased him, and we're joined one to another. Ye, ye therefore, it says, you are living epistles. And, and not only that, that you are a, a house that God put together with living stones. What? Living stones. We're joined together in this body. What? To glorify him? To see... To see God in all that he had planned and purposed for us from the beginning. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's when Paul told Timothy. That plan and purpose was what God had for you before the foundation of the word. And then the next verse he says, But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought to life immortality to light through the gospel. Brought to light immortality through the gospel it's made manifest now so that that light's come for for us to purpose you know we talk about the three frames of exchange god has equipped us to be a partaker of his divine nature in the garden he he died for our soul the whipping post for our body on the cross for our spirit thank god that we can see it's more first thessalonians 5 23 says what i pray your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless, what? At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he wants us whole, whole when he comes. And it says in First Peter, be sure that when he comes back, that you're found in him in peace without spot or wrinkle. How are you going to be without spot or wrinkle? You're going to realize it's the new creation. That he made you without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And you don't have to do one other thing to but receive that. So you're waiting for his coming, and you're looking forward to his coming. All right. You know, this, this week, I think it was this week, the Lord showed me something. See, we have the three frames of exchange, but then we have the, free fr- the, the frames of identity. Most of the time, we spend all our life at the round the foot of the cross. How many of you thank God for the cross? Thank God for redemption. But there's places of identity. Now, on the cross, I want you to stay with me here. 
On the cross, not only was there exchange from my sin for his righteousness, the blood of Jesus, right? But how many of you know what the cross was for? Paul said, I thank God. He's, Colossians 2.20, he says what? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, I died with him. You died with him. 2,000 years ago, everybody's trying to die. I want to tell you something. You're already dead if you're in Christ. You're either dead in trespasses and sins, or you're dead in Christ. Either way, you're dead. So it's not a matter of you trying to die. You're already dead. So the issue is not death. The issue is life. So when he died, we died. We identified with his death. And what? If you've been buried with him. We've been identified in his burial. So Watchman Nee, we read it this morning in our little book. He says people only get buried in baptism when they know they're dead. Once you know you're dead, identified in his death, we are buried with him, right? There's another identity. And then the next identity, we've been raised to walk in the newness of life. There's your other identity. Now, that's a lot, isn't it? But let's don't stop there. It also said he ascended. And when he ascended, we ascended. According to Ephesians 2, 6, We've been made to sit with him in heavenly places. So right now, we're not only just risen, we've ascended with him, and we're seated with him at the right hand of the Father because Ephesians 2, 6 says we're seated with him in heavenly places. Well, let's don't stop there in that identity. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And I'll send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and he will lead and guide you into all truth. We'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And the Father, me, and the Holy Ghost are going to make our abide boat in you. We're going to live in you. So as the scripture says, as Christ is, so are what? We. And where does Christ live today? In us. So Christ lives in every one of you. So who else is living in every one of you if you're in him? You are. We're part of the members of the body of Christ, right? Members one of another. So every place Christ is at, we're at. There's your body of Christ. So there's a lot more identity than we've made it. Not only have we ascended and seated to the right hand, we are a body of Christ and members one of another. And wherever you go, I go with you. Because Christ is in you and I'm in you. And we're all part of that one body. Remember, 1 Corinthians says we're not one member, but many members. But we're all one body in Christ, and members one of another. Now see, the church is going to have to grow up eventually and begin to see God's purpose is more than just getting us out. It's going to get us in, into his purpose and what he had planned. It may take the rapture. It may take a trumpet to get this done. But I want to tell you something. It's God's purpose, and it will be done. And it says in Isaiah, have I purposed something and not carried it out? He said, you can bet on one thing. If I've purposed it, it'll come to pass. If I've spoken it, it'll stand. That's why we believe this word of God. So God's purpose is for us, will be fully fulfilled, whether we want to believe it or not. But I choose that we just will believe it now and enjoy the ride. Amen? Because there's so much more.
You know, you think about it. How do you think Christ feels? I mean, he went through a lot for us. You just think of the garden, the whipping post, and the cross. But if we stop there, it's just forgiven sinners. And we don't understand. You know, Romans 4.25 says he was crucified for our offenses. How many of you? Praise God. Spirit, soul, body, he died for our offenses. It didn't stop there. That's only half the verse. But he was raised for our justification. So your justification is in the resurrection. You identified him and the new man is in him in the resurrection. So that we can walk as new creations. Now, if Jesus paid the price for all that, and he looks down and all he sees is a bunch of just uh, forgiven sinners. I'm just an old sinner. You know, hey, I want to tell you, I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace. And that's going to offend some of you, but I don't care. I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace anymore. I'm a son of God. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's who I was. That's not who I am. And that's not who I'll ever be. Because what? That which is born of God cannot sin, for his seed remains in me that I cannot sin. That new part of us that's created new in Christ Jesus can never sin. Can I sin? Absolutely. How do I do it? I go back to who I was, not who I am. Choose you this day who you will serve. You know, God's plan for Adam and Eve, he planted in the midst of that garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he planted the tree of life. But he didn't want Adam and Eve just to be a robot. He gave them a free choice. They could choose their destiny, and they did. That's, that's where we got in trouble. But now, through what Jesus has done, he's brought us back to a place where we can, man can go on with God's purpose. But you know what? Even today, as newborn uh, Christians, we still have a choice, don't we, Martin? I can walk in the newness of life, or I can choose to walk in the old man anytime I want to, because God loves us that much. But I want to tell you, if you choose to go that way, he don't go with you. You're going back to who you were, not who you are. But he says, we need to, if you be risen with Christ, identity, set your mind, your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead in that old man, and you've been raised, and your life is in him. And when Christ, who is your life, shall come, then you'll also come with him. Isn't that neat? We're seated there. When he comes, we come back with him to get us. Is that pretty neat? That's not bad. And he's living in us in every place he goes because the Bible says as he is. Where? Why? Because Christ is our life. You have absolutely nothing apart from Christ. Absolutely nothing do we have that's not in him. And I want to tell you something. God put you here. And he's well able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. So why do we want to always be sin conscious when we can be righteousness conscious? Amen. Father, we just come to you today and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, you not only brought us out of some place, but you brought us into a place. And I ask you, Lord, as Paul prays in Ephesians 1, 8, 17, 18, he said from the first day I heard of your your. Uh, grace of God in your life. I cease not to pray for you night and day that the Father of all grace, he said, would, would give you, enlighten your eyes that you might see the hope of his calling for you. 
And what is the title riches of his grace towards you? Eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know something. What? What is the hope of your calling? He doesn't want us just saved. He wants us to know why we're saved. And to make a difference in this world we live in. And Father, we thank you for that word. And Lord, I ask you just to open our eyes, open our ears to see, Lord, just what few years we have left that we're going to fulfill those years glorifying you as sons and daughters of God, not living for ourselves. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.